Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hola and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. I am your host. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. How are you all doing? You all well? Are you all good? I hope you're all sitting down drawing something nice and freaky. <laughs> Oh god, I lose it in these intros sometimes The weather is Looming storm clouds as we approach winter in the studio And industry schmoozing Yeah, good weather for this show We do it differently, we do it like that Hope you're all good anyway I hope you've been enjoying the recent shows Uh, Association of Illustrators, how did that go down? I hope you enjoyed that My chat with Ren Renwick, the new managing director and Lou Bones talking about the role of the illustration industry uh, in 2016. We're talking about technology breaking down borders between creative disciplines and all sorts. What Ren, the new MD, plans to do to take things forward to move the AOI into more cities in the UK, go beyond. Um, really exciting times. I really enjoyed that episode. Really cool to sit down with those guys. So they're going to be looking after the show also. Um, as well as my sponsors, um, Illustration Limited. So they work closely with the AOI, as I mentioned before. Um, they represent me as an agent, get me work and all that, look after me on the contractual side of things. And it's really cool. And uh, some interesting points came up in that episode with uh, the AOI about you know the need for those guys to protect us from rogue contracts and people trying to steal our intellectual property rights because it does go on it's a shame but it does go on uh, and i'm sure people have had bad encounters whether it's working for too little money not knowing what to quote all of those things so go back and check out that episode with ren and lou um it was very kind to join me and it's really cool and they're doing an ever important role at the aoi so go and check it out look out for their uh, contract masterclass, which is not to be missed going to be featuring two-time arrest on the mix guest joe misled uh, going to be a few experts there talking legal stuff, but talking about what to look out for, you know, what things people tend to trip over and all that. So go and check that out. Um, so thanks to my founding, founding sponsor, Illustration Limited, who are great and very passionate, and they're always looking to move forward and create a safer environment, a safer industry for us to operate in because we're creatives and it doesn't come natural to know all that stuff, right? It's quite stressful. So. Very cool stuff. So thanks to Illustration Limited, representing over 200 illustrators, uh, animators, fashion designers, all sorts of stuff going on, set design, as we said on the episode last week. As things expand and things move more laterally, uh, then you know we have to adapt to that. So good stuff. Founding sponsor, check them out, illustrationweb.com. Heart Internet giving you digital and tech tips every week on this show. Uh, all my sponsors helping to keep this show free for you guys every week. Heart are brilliant. Um, Nick Leach, a couple of episodes ago. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, get us feedback, as ever, on the Twitter, at Arrest or at Ben Talon, if you want to hit me up personally. Uh, Nick's great, talking about social media, effective use of SEO and all that stuff. We all need to know it. How do you get up Google, essentially? How do you get found when people are looking for whatever it is you do? Graphic design, acting, singing, uh, photography, ceramicist, whatever it is. Uh, you need to be well represented online because that's where people go to search now in the vast majority of cases. So go back and check that one out too. All the archives up there as ever, soundcloud.com forward slash arrest on the mix. Um, the digital tip next week, um, well, I mean, I was able to hit up Mariana Pastana, 
for today's show, who we're going to get onto in a moment, the future design episode, talking about uh, design's role moving forward uh, in life, in society, uh, in all that kind of stuff. And I've been doing uh, a cool gig recently with G-Star Raw, the high street clothing brand. They do like awesome denim, really supple kind of clothes, like somewhere between casual and workwear, but they're really, really nice quality stuff. And they got me in, a huge compliment, they got me in to come and draw and paint on, on their stuff. And I've been telling that story quite extensively through my social media accounts. And the great thing about that commission is they uh, they let me do what I will. There's an open brief. I had to tie it to the concept of what is raw. So it's my take on raw. That was the hashtag. Uh, so it was cool. I could, I could go topical. I could go political. I was getting scary clown stuff in there. I was going a bit nuts on, on these jeans and uh, jackets and shirts and all sorts of cool stuff. And they had DJs in store. So there was so much cool visual reference in there to tell that story on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And the engagement was off the charts for those posts. People seeing it happening there and then. I'm tweeting it while I'm doing the show. I'm posting it on Instagram in my coffee breaks. And it's awesome. The numbers are going up, getting all the likes, all the hits. And people, so many people coming back going, love what you're doing, G-Star. Right, it looks really cool. How long have you been doing the fashion design stuff? And it's really got me thinking, and some of that feedback's given me a huge boost in confidence. So go and do that. Tell your story. Do it effectively. Less cat videos, less selfies, more of what you're up to, and more innovative stuff from your world, because that's what people want to see and connect with. So that is courtesy of my sponsor, heartsinternet.co.uk. Thanks to those guys. And last but very much not least, printed.com. Uh, so I was down at Le Book with Danny Allison, who's been on this show. Episode one, actually, very first guest. And LeBook is an industry contact event, so it's like a conference type deal where everyone's got a stand and it's loads of agents from photography agents to design agents to stylists, fashion designers, uh, illustration, limited, hard, a stand down there. So Danny and I went down to check that out with the guys and go and have a look around and just chat to some people and have a drink. And they um, they had lovely like printed materials, like we had like portfolios on show printed portfolios and uh, books of illustrators and all that kind of stuff and the scrapbook printed promotional tool that illustration limited do and everyone had their own unique thing there was anything from postcards to um, newspaper journals of their agents agents members and things uh, represented artists really really awesome stuff really really cool to see the whole range um, and so many people should be doing that and are doing that through printed.com, my sponsor. So go check them out at that, that URL, printed.com. They do over 90 different products. They do so many cool finishes, concertinas, business cards, flyers, posters, large print, matte gloss, you name it. It's all going on. Great customer service. Great company championing the creative industries by supporting my show. Love them. So go and check them out. Um, I hope you've been enjoying all the episodes. I'm really getting into my rhythm with this show now. Really trying to do something different with every episode. We've got the wonderful Kerry Lemon, awesome illustrator coming up. Um, we've got just, just going on, loads of cool people. I'm not going to give it all away, but I've got like some killer guests coming up for you guys now. Today's guest, Mariana Pastana, curator at the VNA. Uh, a real honour to go down to the VNA and sit in their gardens, have a coffee, and have a chat about Mariana's like awesome work. So she's a part of a group called the Decorators, who she'll tell us on the show today do spatial intervention with kind of architecture and installations and functional stuff, and it's really, really intriguing, exciting stuff. Um, she's now not so much moved on from the decorators, but she's now working as a curator at the VNA on future design team, which is just so exciting. 
And we're going to be talking about an exhibition she did, she curated in Switzerland with the World Economic Forum called This Time Tomorrow. And it's amazing. And it featured, get this, a three-dimensional print of Chelsea Manning's face. So for anyone who doesn't know, Chelsea Manning was the US transgender soldier who has been sent down doing bird for 35 years uh, for leaking government secrets and documents. And the exhibition calls into question, you know, methods of policing and science and how design comes into that stuff and moral uses. And I'm going to talk about all of that with Mariana. But it featured a three-dimensional print of Chelsea Manning's face, which was created by the artist um, who got hold of a strand of Chelsea's hair and saliva to create this from her DNA. Can you deal with that? Because it's blowing my mind and I think it speaks volumes for what can be brilliant but what can also be terrible. So I'm going to be talking about all of that with Mariana today at the V&A and it's just hugely revolutionary stuff and we're entering a phase now where the speed of these technological advances is just exponential and it's it's incredible stuff. So I hope you're into this conversation. Um, we're going to talk about Mariana's origins in Portugal, um, how she started in architecture but has moved way beyond that and is now working across so many different disciplines. A real leader, a really intelligent, smart, lovely lady. Uh, and I loved spending an hour with her, so I'm not going to bang on for too much longer because she'll tell you that whole story. But just have a think about all of this stuff and think about how you can feed that into your own work it doesn't matter what you do as i mentioned on the aoi episode um last episode the boundaries are falling it's crumbling down um technology is breaking everything up and it's all merging and it's all wonderful if we use it right so it can be so powerful to get outside of your specialism and collaborate with other people and bring that back in to give it a whole new dimension so let's get down to the conversation vna gardens mariana pastana we sat down with a coffee and we talked about all of this crazy stuff enjoy hit us up let you know let me know your feedback on the twitter at arrest on the mix or at ben talon um Cheers to sponsors, Illustration Limited, Heart Internet and Printed.com. And here we go with Mariana Pastana, curator at the VNA. Your background, where are you from? Um, so I'm Portuguese. Yeah. Um, I'm from a, a small city called Viseu. Um, you wouldn't know, yeah, you probably wouldn't know it. We were just talking about growing up in small cities and yeah. now we like to have something like famous or special about ours. The special thing about my my small city is um, this um, painter. Uh, it's, he's called Gudan Vasco, and he was the first painter in Europe to um, to illustrate an American Indian to to paint oh, ever yeah. an American Indian. Wow, it's okay. the first time it's it's it shows in um, there's an image of an American Indian in in Western art. That's a great. That's a really great <laughs> fact. Really great. <laughs> so did you did you grow up in a creative family or were you? Um, well, my, my, uh, my parents, my father is a um, um, philosophy and psychology teacher in, in high school mm. and my, my mum's a music researcher, researcher so she's an ethnomusicologist. It oh, means okay. she yep. goes around like small villages and, and amazing places um, to, to, to do research about the songs that they sing and the kind of compositions uh, wow. that they Wow, what an interesting job. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think creative, but not exactly in the area that I... 
Yeah, I mean. but you were and obviously exposed to quite a wide range of influences then by the sound of that. Uh, probably, yeah. I suppose I was quite lucky. Subconsciously, at least. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. So, so was it... I can't imagine what parallels would be in a small town in England, northern England especially, in a small town in Portugal. Was it the, was it the dumb thing to, to do something creatively as a career? Or was this... You know, was it something you imagined from a young age? Did you mm. have did you have aspirations to, to work in the creative industries? That's an interesting question. I I suppose it was um, it wasn't very common. So, for example, um, the high school I went to um, um, had like a, a, an option, an arts option, but it was somehow seen that if if, if you did art. Um, the way it was presented to us was that you could even either be a fine artist um, um, in, a, in a quite traditional sense, as in like a painter or a sculptor, or then you could perhaps be um, a designer, a product designer, but work in a factory context, right? So very sort of mass production. <laughs> so um, I suppose I was exposed to different options in the in the you know in the creative um, field, but but not to a lot of nuances of, mm. of how. Yeah. How it could be done or practiced, yeah. Yeah. So, what was your path beyond that? Did you did you go to so college? Then I, you... Yeah, I did architecture. I yeah. decided to, to go um, to architecture. Um, it, it sounded like something that was um, creative but uh, secure enough, as in like I could yeah. have a job. <laughs> yeah, that's a common thread, you know, that comes up on, on not just this show but a lot of people that I talk to. It's like that compromise, almost like I can go back to my parents and say. Look, I'm doing something creative, but I can make money. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that that's really not the case. Like, yeah, <laughs> architecture is really not a very no, profitable of career. Course, no. <laughs> not at all. And I never really then like I never practiced it um, as such. Like never. I I did work in a few studios after college. Um, but that was a very short period of my life, and I think I didn't feel like it was. Um, I was doing the best that I could do working mm. in architecture studios. Yeah. So then, what? So what were your moves to get away from that? Did you? What? Um, no, it's funny. So I, um, I worked in. Uh, I did my my final thesis in in uh, my BA was about um, exhibiting architecture. So I became really interested in exhibitions as a for, as um, a medium almost. Mm. Um, and I wrote a lot about it, interviewed lots of people who were doing um, exhibitions in Portugal. I was very curious because there, there were, you know, in Portugal, um, curators would normally do have art history degrees. So um, architecture curators didn't almost didn't exist, and the, the people who were doing exhibitions were essentially architects that had been in practice or architectural historians. And so it was almost like the medium itself had never been never been discussed. Mm. Um, so I was very interested in that, did like some research, and then I worked on an exhibition in, uh, in Turin where I did an exhibition design. Um, um, I worked with Pedro Gadanho, who we've just met, who was my, uh, my tutor at the time. And, and that really, I think, opened up perhaps the possibility of doing or practicing architecture in, in, a, in, in different ways, I suppose. Mm. And then I came to London, I did um, an MA at St. Martin's narrative environments um, so this was uh, an MA that you were that sort of looked at literature for um, narrative structures and storytelling devices um, yeah. and then the idea was that 
you know, we students coming from a variety of backgrounds could um, rethink the way that we narrate through space in a way. So that was that was great. Um, so you know, for me, because I, I I was interested in in spatial design. Um, and I was interested to find out what I could do with it. And that's where I met then three amazing people, Susanna O'Connell and Xavi Jacfont and Carolina Caicedo, with whom I, I then started The Decorators, which is this collective. Yeah, I was reading up on The Decorators. It sounds brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I find it really interesting because you said about, it almost sounds like a self, to a degree, a self-led path. You're, you're, you're interested in, in exhibition mm. design as such. It felt like something that started to interest you not because it was a you know something you chose to follow academically or anywhere you were drawn to it almost quite naturally would that uh, be accurate yeah i think so um even though that's it's always easier to see it in a retrospective right <laughs> absolutely yeah totally that's how the book happened <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not clear it wasn't clear to me at all at yes. the time and um and even now looking back at some of the things i was doing with the decorators they you know they're they were really um, exercises, I think, in between sort of curating, designing. They they were very temporary, um, ephemeral mm. um, events, usually that involved some some level of design and some level of programming. Yeah. Um, so I think they do relate very much to this, you know, interest uh, with exhibition making. But we were never thinking about that, about it in that way. Yeah. It's only now that you asked me that yeah. I can kind of. Which, make which to me, that that highlights a point because it, it's the, 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 the most natural path. So often you don't understand it at the time. You're yeah. on it and you're going through it and you respond to each thing that's put in front of you. But only in, retro, you know, only in retrospect do you understand that there is some method there, and it's not quite the madness that it felt like when you're going through it, you know. Right. That's, that's the way I find it all of my career when I look back. You know, this, really? this yeah, this, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have a book out there. I shouldn't be doing a lot of this stuff, but I am and I love it and I, and I will keep responding to what's put in front of me and I love that. Mm. And to that point, I think the stuff, the exhibition design, it, it fascinates me because anything that I've done like that has been either through a lack of budget, a lack of uh, access to it, to what I would consider a proper space, like the v where we're sitting right now. Mm. You know, I... I you know, I wouldn't look at the V&A and think, yeah, I'll, I'll put on some work there because it just doesn't feel like something that's a possibility right now. However, you know, groups like Designers Block, for example, you know, they say, look, we've got this great space under a, a whatever, a railway bridge or a, in the Oxo Tower. I suddenly think, that's cool. Yeah, I could, I could sneak in the corner there somewhere and, yeah. and do that, you know. But then it sounds like, so that degree sounds amazing. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I really enjoyed um, the people I met there. Yeah. Um, more than anything, I mean, it was great to to find, um, you know, um, a group of people. I think sometimes you take that for granted, a group of people with whom you can work and you, you respect each other, but you can have the biggest argument in the world mm -hmm. and still you know that you trust each other and yeah. that you, you, you know, that's that's part of a process to to achieve something better, you know, the best you can. Mm. And you sometimes take that for granted, like you the do, collaborators you gone. find in life. Um, and there's an immense value to it. So, you know, there are extraordinary people coming from different backgrounds. I mean, Suzanne's a landscape architect. Um, Xavi um, has a background in interior design, um, even though I would say that he's, he's an artist. And then um, Carolina has a background in psychology. So um, that, 
unplanned joining of, of these very different backgrounds is great. It's a beautiful thing and, the, and the, the dynamics between all of those people, whether it's as a whole group or it's individual relationships within that, love that stuff. And that's yeah. why you know, I struggled after university for six months and it was only when I was back in a you know, a space with other, other creative people that the, the, the passion returned quite quickly, you know, for the same reason. It was just, as with furniture designers and other people, and all of a sudden I'm getting these new ideas and love that. I couldn't, I couldn't do without that anymore, ever. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't go back to isolation. Right. I'd, I'd really struggle, I'd really struggle. You know, it's, okay, it's nice to lock myself in my studio sometimes, but the importance of sharing those ideas and letting them develop, like you said, about having, having those arguments and debates about things, it's the best energy you, 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 know, you can get in, this, in, this, in the art world, I think. Mm-hmm. So do you always work in collaboration then? No, no, that, that's, that's the thing. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a freelance illustrator at the core of everything. Of everything. But increasingly now I, I work with, you know, on projects, interior design projects or um, this stuff, interviewing people or you know, I'm on discussion panels or I'll do a talk somewhere and I really love that stuff. It's, it's those things that I come away from feeling truly inspired, mm-hmm. you know, having gone out and shared that with other, other people. So, where is the decorators now? Because you're curating at the V&A, right? Yeah, so I stepped uh, back from the practice um, to work on a project here at the V&A. Um, they're doing great, <laughs> without me. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I, I miss them a lot. But, um, but yeah, no, the, the, um, they, they're developing a range of pro- projects from um, public realm interventions which has always been um, kind of the focus of our work to more mm. sort of um, uh, longer term research projects um, that um, you know are commissioned by different entities like uh, you know the count the um, city councils or um, entities like that um, yeah so they, they yeah they have a lot of lots of projects at the moment um, yeah yeah so what were the most what were the most exciting things that you you worked on with, with the, with the decorators, decorators. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's very difficult not to um, always talk about the first project we did, <laughs> um, or the first project we did that was really what we wanted to do. Mm. So that was a restaurant we did in Ridley Road Market. Um, so this is a market in East London uh, with a very strong sort of Caribbean um, um, influence and presence. It's a fair, it's an incredible um, multicultural market. To, you know, a place where you can find, you can buy giant snails. You can, you can buy like lamb neck, you know, all <laughs> the weirdest things in the world. You can buy pans, plates, everything, anything you can imagine. Yeah. Great, amazing market. But um, the, the area around it, Dawson, is being gentrified. And I think the new residents um, uh, started shopping a lot in Sainsbury's and these like kind of chain supermarkets. And so the, the trade in the market has started to decline a bit over the last, you know, in the last few years. So we, um, a friend of ours had a, a, a plot of land in there and she wanted to develop it in the future. So she just asked us like, if we wanted to do a temporary project in there. So we had that, we had a space. We had no, no nothing else. <laughs> so we started just like going there, spending time. We realized that the food from the market was actually great. And uh, people weren't just weren't shopping there because they had an idea that maybe it wasn't like good enough or clean enough. But it's it's okay. it, it's really great. Yeah. So we came up with this idea of doing a restaurant, uh, which was a food for food exchange system, where every day we'd have a different chef that would come and cook a meal. The the rule was they could only cook with food from the market. And if you came for lunch, you'd see like a shopping list of 
ingredients and you'd go buy two pound worth of any of those ingredients and swap that for a cooked meal. Oh wow. And at dinner you'd sit down but then you'd have like, you'd pay, I think it was 10 or 15 pounds and then get a five pound voucher back to spend in the market. So so it was like, you know, an intervention that um, essentially sort of catered for a variety of residents, including the very, you know, the hipster, it was a bit of a hipster paradise, you could say, (laughs) but um, (laughs) it also contributed to this local economy, right? So it it was a means for for those um, new residents perhaps to go and experience what it was. And it's incredible when you have to, when you spend two pounds in Ridley Road, you have no idea, you buy two bags of like mushroom, you know, huge, yeah. So much food, it's so You get cheap. value for money, yeah. Yes, you get value for money. And the quality is good, it's good enough. Yeah. Uh, and so the chefs w- were also a way to prove that, right? Because they, they were just like, some were more famous than others. Um, and some were like local r- restaurants or our friends. But what they showed was that you could make incredible meals with those ingredients. Yeah. Um, so that was fun, it was great to run a restaurant. That was really... That's a tremendous really project. Fun. And so I guess there was a lot of learning on the job for you guys. From, you know, you know, always because we we had to fundraise for it. We had no um, budget to do it. Uh, it was a self-initiated project. So yeah. we we made a sketch where we explained our idea, like a beautiful. Chavi made this beautiful drawing of the food transforming because we had like a two-floor structure with a pulley system table that would go up and down. So Chavi made like a, a beautiful drawing of like a conceptual drawing explaining that system which we then took to the local developers and, you know, maker spaces, wood providers, you know, all, wow. all kinds of places. And then uh, we were very lucky that some people helped us um, build it. Like, that yeah. we, we had, like, some, some sponsors and, and, and supporters and so on. So good. So it was good. fun. So do you think there's more and more of this happening, the kind of intervention stuff? I think it's really intriguing, and it's, it just shows that you said about the lack of budget. I think imagination is the limit. That's that's uh-huh. the difference, isn't it, surely? Yeah. I think definitely at that point, it was a period in London. We did that in 2011. Um, and it was definitely a moment of when architects started building a lot of pop-ups, so-called pop-ups. Yeah. Um, I think it was this was out of I think uh, you know the the aftermath of the economic crisis of 2008 possibly but just you know if you're a graphic designer you can you can self publish quite easily right you can yeah uh, all you need is make a maybe a riso yeah, <laughs> printer or something yeah, like that totally uh, when you're an architect or a special designer it's difficult to self publish it just costs a lot of money yeah but I think a lot of architects started to realize that perhaps if they used cheap materials or or um, donated materials recycled materials if, if they had like an inventive use of, 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 of materials in places and so on but they could actually make test stuff and uh, we were clearly influenced by um, you know people like exist for example who are a French group of architects who in 2008 did a a Lido in South London, and then did a, a project called the Dalston Mill um, in Dalston. Uh, so you know, the, so they 
they had this very um, sort of honest approach, I think, to, to kind of intervening in sites uh, with very minimal resources, with a very strong presence on sites. Um, so their projects are always very performative, they're, they're there, but they're very, you know, very, also very big sort of political commitment to the work that they do. I think we were definitely influenced by, by, by them and by a sort of culture that was in the area, you know, practice had done also the um, Frank's Cafe in Peckham, yeah. Uh, assembled at Dunsey Neroleum in, in, in Clerkenwell. So there was like something in the air, definitely, of like, yes. yeah. um, a, 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 an in, I don't know, an invitation almost like to, to just test things out and, and experiment. Yeah, and it, it seems, seems and it seems that you're plugging into existing infrastructures too mm -hmm. and local communities, yeah. which is wonderful because it, it, not only is it great for what you guys are doing, but it hopefully opens the mind of all the local people as to what they can do and, and the idea spreads. Do you see that? Did you see that kind of effect come from from that? Um, I think that it takes a lot of commitment to do something like this. Um, now, I know that we we were very idealistic. <laughs> yeah. We believed that we could convince the council to buy the plot of land back and transform it into like a social restaurant run yeah. by the community and so on. And of course, we had a few meetings with the council. You know, to realize that that was not possible. Yeah. But of course, I do believe that we, you know, that maybe there was a little seed of something mm. um, in there that was left in, in like the sense of possibility that yeah. you, you know you can that you can think of alternative economies that you can. So it's, it's definitely a sense of sort of testing yeah. alternatives. Um, and once you test them, they have been real for a little period of time, right? Mm. What seemed completely um, imaginary, then sort of, you know, it became real for like a tiny bit of time, like three weeks or something. And so it's, if you're thinking about it again, then it's it's a bit more plausible, I think. Well, because yeah. Because you've shown that it's, you know, that it might be possible at a tiny scale, it's in a small yeah. time frame, but. And of, and of course, well, whilst whilst yes, idealistic, at the same time, it's not always about, you know, a hundred percent tick box. You know, flying um, triumph. It's about planting, like we said, planting seeds. It's about um, you know, it doesn't matter what what is failure. It's not. It's a learning curve. Yeah. So it's about going and finding out and, and taking mm. things away from that, which I think seems to me to underpin the whole the whole idea of the spatial interventions. Mm. You know. Um, so how have you been finding the VNA? Um, it, it's an amazing place. Um, How long have you been working here now? So it's been um, one and a half years, about one and a half years now. Um, I joined the VNA um, to co-curate an exhibition about design futures. So that's been like the focus of my work for the last one and a half years. Uh, so I've been um, very lucky to, to sort of visit um, studios. Um, People who are developing, in, you know, emerging technologies and um, and designs, um, and that's that's for me. I think the biggest reward is um, is the an excuse to go behind the scenes and yeah. and sneak into like people's studios and ideas, and uh, <laughs> it's really great. Same I love thing. that. I love doing that. <laughs> and to to be at the Vienna is an incredible. Um, you know, the Vienna really is works really well in that sense because um, people know it it's a, a well-known very old institution so most designers know 
about V&A, yeah. so, so they're very happy to let me in yeah. and talk to me about what they're doing, and, and that, that's great, I love it. And yeah. then here, um, it's been a, a, a great um, learning opportunity as well, because the V&A is like a pot of expertise in terms of you know, people working in conservation, publications, yeah. um, you know, specialists in metal work or yeah. 16th century painting and medieval textiles. Oh my and, God, yeah. um, so it's, <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful and what to be surrounded. A, what a place to call work, you know, what a building to come to and call your office. You yeah, know, it's, it's less charming inside when, well, the, <laughs> we leave the best, I always tell everyone when, when I go, kind of, we walk past the staff doors that we, I think the definitely leaves the best bit to visitors. Yeah. The staff, the staff offices aren't as <laughs> charming. <laughs> Brilliant. So I, I read with great interest about uh, the this time tomorrow. Mm. What an incredible um, range of work and also the ideas behind that. Can you tell us a little about that? Um, sure. So this time tomorrow was an exhibition um, that the v presented um, at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Um, so I curated that small exhibition. It was an exhibition of 10 objects. Um, this is to do with um, our um, current director, Martin Roth. Um, he's a cultural advisor to the World Economic Forum. And, uh, and so this was the first time that, um, that they, the Davos, <laughs> um, commissioned an exhibition, which is very interesting. And this, uh, so the um, the exhibition I took there was um, an exhibition of design and technology. The theme of their encounter um, in 2016 was the fourth industrial revolution. So um, the discussion was very much about the um, development of really specific technologies like artificial intelligence and um, um, genomic sequencing, for example, and how they will affect our our lives, our jobs, you know, our economies, and so on. Um, and it was very interesting because I took the work of, of designers who, who work with these themes um, or with these technologies, artists and designers. Um, and so it was a way to, in a sense, um, materialize some of, or give shape to some of the discussions that were happening behind the doors, you know, in Davos. Davos is a, um, the annual conference of the World Economic Forum, where you, you have like CEOs from all the companies in the world and, and, and politicians and universities from all over the world represented. And uh, the format is usually the format of a conference or, 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 or so an exhibition is slightly, um, and it's it's very it's an unusual m format um, to present something there. But uh, this time tomorrow was a, a series of scenarios um, designed um, by um, Joseph Popper and Nick Mortimer. And the graphic design was by Kobe Barhard. They're all our uh, ex RCI people, design interactions and um, they designed these scenarios um, into which we then displayed a series of works. Um, perhaps the one that was most um, talked about was this facial portrait of Chelsea Manning, um, previously Bradley Manning, the American soldier who was imprisoned for um, releasing information uh, about the war in, uh, in Afghanistan um, for WikiLeaks. And so this is a portrait developed by an artist, Heather Dewey Hagberg, 
from the um, DNA of Chelsea's uh, hair and saliva, which she sent to the artist by post from prison. So um, from that DNA, um, uh, Heather managed to construct a, a facial portrait of Chelsea Manning. So it was really incredible. Of course, that project is in, in itself a critique to the methods that the police are using right now in terms of, um, you know, this... Um, using the science of, of genomics as a, a way of identifying um, suspects based on their um, racial uh, ancestry, on their gender profile. Um, it's very, very problematic, but it's this kind of misuse of science in a way, or this like um, pseudo-objectivity of science um, in a sense. But it was also incredible, so, so her, her project is a critique to that, but of course it was incredible to have Chelsea Manning in, in Davos. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I was reading this stuff here, you know, when I was coming here to chat to you today, and it just blows my mind, this stuff, and I be, I'm becoming increasingly fascinated now with the crossover between business, science, technology, and the arts, which is, it's unbelievable to me that um, that there's not more made of this. I mean, I mean, I mean okay, there's going to be, that's for sure. I guess that was the underlying idea of this show. It's... I mean, I read, let me say, I read on the way here saying, it was talking about the mastering the fourth industrial revolution, so the, so the sheer pace of which things are unfolding now, technological advances. Um, and it's, I love it as a designer now, the fact that, okay, let's say in 2001, I was sitting in the cinema watching Steven Spielberg's AI, <laughs> and not six months ago, I'm sitting in my own studio here in London, painting on a 3D print of my own head, which I'd picked up a phone, commissioned, gone and get picked up and then painted on it's like <laughs> this is unbelievable to me but it's beautiful you know and, and I, I'm so inspired by this stuff this must be hugely inspiring to you to, mm -hmm. to, be, to be able to curate such a yes it was very challenging um, this is a context that I never thought I would I, would, I never thought I would ever in my life go mm. be present in, in, at the World Economic Forum in Davos never thought I would do it and then I never thought I would be presenting work there uh, so it's an incredible opportunity um, an incredible challenge as well um, because I because um, I, I, I think that my my work uh, the politics of my work uh, are a very important part of it and um, and the fact that um, the World Economic Forum is such a charged space politically, in a way from the challenge in that sense. So my the, the challenge I set myself was like, how can I bring criticality to Davos? So how can I bring a show that doesn't only celebrate new technologies, but also discusses the ethics of some of these technologies? Um, and so hopefully that's, that's what, you know, um, that's what, what the show did. I mean, I, I found it interesting that some people um, recognized in design um, that capacity not not just to to display something but to actually question right? absolutely and so to, to, to bring in critical design works um, was interesting to put some of the conversations that were happening there in perspective but also to um, to to show that the power of design in a sense you know that that design can actually convey and, and critique and, and question many of like today's, you know, the contemporary society's sort of biggest yeah. questions in a sense. And do you think we're going to see, do you th I mean, do you think design is about, I certainly believe that design is about to play an increasingly significant role in society. Mm. Would you agree? 
in the way we you know in in the bigger picture of things. Yeah. I do think that definitely design is becoming more and more available to mm. everyone. Um, I was telling you, I was this, uh, attended this Makerspace um, conference earlier today, and Makerspaces are the example uh, of that, right? Um, there are an increasing number of maker labs and uh, you know, fab labs to Makerversity to the Making Institute, and these are all places that make design available to more people and that are grounded in a, a kind of ideology of sharing knowledge, yeah. which is brilliant. So I do think that design is, 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 is becoming more accessible mm. um, to all. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's what yeah. you were no, like. No, no, it does, absolutely. I think it does answer the question because, like I said about the 3D print thing, the fact that I have access mm. to that readily without any kind of funding, you know, well, apart from my own, mm -hmm. it's like, that's amazing to me. And I think that... You know, if it's then it like I said before, it's about limits of the, of the imagination and, and what people can think to do with that stuff. It's all there. It's how we, uh, you know, it's how we behave as human beings as to what we, what capabilities we have to use it yeah. effectively. Exactly. Uh, we were uh, there was a discussion the other day at the VNA, also about this theme of maker spaces, and David Lee um, said, "Well, making doesn't ask permission." Yes. <laughs> Which I thought is like a, such a brilliant way to put it. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the same, uh, you know, the, m these maker spaces essentially create um, the tools and the opportunity and the space and the facilities for anyone to make whatever they like. And, yes. and there's also a lot of questions to be asked here, right? Mm. I mean, one of the objects we we have here at the VNA um, at the Rapid Response Collection, which my department started. Um, is uh, the 3D printed gun, the first um, 3D printed uh. gun. So that's, that's an example of an object, um, again, that is just a, you know, the tip of an iceberg, right? Because that, that gun essentially shows that it might work, it might not. A lot of people have kind of get caught up in this discussion whether it works well or not. But I think, you know, the biggest question is the circulation of, um, of arms essentially yeah. through the web um, yeah. that completely disrupts all kinds of um, security procedures control <laughs> processes that oh, we yeah. have <laughs> um, and that's incredible that really is yeah my god yeah. Um, but you know so design has this capacity to I think break through so many of, of, of the rules and the status quo of our society um, and it doesn't ask permission like yeah. you know we just do it yeah, it's out it's there it's a thing that's there and, it, and it's how people connect with that yeah which is un unbelievable yeah. so uh, tell us about future design design future which way around <laughs> there isn't there isn't a uh, yeah a way around yet um, but there isn't like a, a, a fixed title or anything but at, at the moment I, I'm I'm working on on a, an exhibition that will be about design futures. Mm. Um, I still can't tell you much about it because uh, we haven't formally announced. It. Oh right, okay. Oh okay. Uh, but <laughs> right. It's uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's about it's an exhibition. It will be an exhibition about emerging technologies and um, and um, how design transforms our everyday life. So um, it's a it will be an exhibition about objects that aren't necessarily good design practice mm. or bad design practice. The DNA has done both in the past. 
it's shown um, in the, the origins of the VNA. Uh, you know, uh, the, the whole idea was to show the good practices of design, so so everybody could see the good examples of design. Yeah. And then later, the, the VNA actually did an exhibition about bad practices of design, so exemplary exhibitions, right? What's right, what's wrong? And I think here, the idea of this exhibition is to make a uh, to showcase complicated practices. That's how I like to call them. So, design objects that um, make you really doubt about these calls, whether they're good or bad or because essentially sometimes they haven't been resolved fully resolved yet or their impact hasn't been fully resolved and they could go in many directions but they're um, they're things that um, as I told you I've been visiting design studios companies labs and so on and um, many Many of these projects that will be displaying have never been shown in an exhibition before. There are things that you might know exist, but you've never seen them for real. Mm. Um, and it's very important to bring them to the critical sphere of the museum, I think. I think ultimately that's what an institution like the Vienna is, a civic institution can do, is to, to, to discuss. Um, as you were saying earlier, I mean, technology develops so fast, it's very difficult to keep up. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that cultural institutions can do is, is, is to bring the discussion to the fore of their kind of, you know, everyday mission is to, yeah. to kind of open up spaces to, to debate, you know, for us to, as citizens, actually you know, decide together whether we support his mm. technological yeah. development or, or not. This sounds like it has the potential to be a landmark exhibition, is that, is that the hope? Uh, yeah, there's an expectation for that. I think. It yeah, awesome. it sounds incredible to me. I, I can't wait to see oh, that, and um, and yeah, I look forward to that with anticipation. So you personally, I mean, y your career sounds incredible to me, and, and this, this, you know, you've come a long way from the idea of architecture in a lot yeah. of senses. What, what, where do you, do you have a direction, or are you now into the into the kind of momentum phase where you just see what comes next? Mm. I think I'm, I'm interested in in this medium of exhibitions. Um, I think that I like to work in uh, slightly more experimental contexts. Um, mm. The VNA is is really amazing, um, but exhibitions at the VNA have um, quite specific formats. They follow a, a relatively traditional structure in terms of, um, you know, they're object-based, labeled, um, there's a, a specific journey, this journey and so on. Um, I think in the future I still want to, to experiment with um, different spaces and, and, I don't know, locations for projects. I think that the, quite often the site and, uh, brings so much to a project, I think, yeah. and, and I really like to work with uh, different contexts. So. But I don't know, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, but you will when it arrives, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so that's really uh, I'm fascinating to see where it all goes. I really am. <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, I mean, it's strange to me personally because I've gone from, you know, being a very, uh, in a lot of senses, traditional illustrator in my early few yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Like you're an example. Magazines and newspapers, yeah. you know, to now I'm so many project ideas and, and I've really started to paint on three dimensional objects now and, and separate that from what people know Ben Talon's illustration work as. Mm -hmm. I've created a whole you know, art direction portfolio where it gives me the freedom to step away from that and start, like I said, painting to 3D prints and you know, I, I, all the time I have ideas. Someone suggested recently that I paint directly onto technology, you know, and that was, hmm. 
I forget how that was it. I've spilt a bottle of ink onto my like pristine white keyboard. Oh, like, no. well, it wasn't pristine. Like I already, I already had ink splashes on it. But I knocked over a whole bottle of ink. Like, I panicked. And then I stopped, and there's a moment where I stopped kind of running to go and get the tissue and photographed it because it looked really amazing with the black ink on wow. this white thing. And I thought that was a, that was a weird moment. That was a kind of, uh, you know, embracing the, the, the accident. Yeah. And I mentioned that to a creative director, and he said, you, you absolutely should go and get lots of old technology and dissect that and paint onto things. And so now my brain is going, you know, exploding. And so thinking. is that, have you been doing that? So I was feeling more ink into I intend to, I intend to, yeah. It's got right. a little quieter at the moment, and I'm starting to think, okay, maybe now's the time to start collecting weird objects from, I don't know where, you know, just found things. I really don't know, but... But it's that evolution, isn't it, as you as you move along and, you know, I don't know where it's going. And I, don't, I actually don't want to know where it's going anymore. Mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of scrapped the master plan. It's like, wow. I see what's next. That's, but that's brave. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I've got my core practice of illustration, which I'm fortunate enough to be making a full-time living from in London, which gives me the freedom then when I have any spare time to mm-hmm. go, okay, let's do something crazy. Let's, let's, let's just play mm-hmm. and see where that goes because it's never led me astray to this point so I'm not about to stop <laughs> but do you feel that you have the energy to do um, other projects when you have like a full time position yeah yeah I have, to, I have to choose my battles because you know you can't I'm, when I started out I would do 12, 14 hour days routinely because I was so excited by this chance to do what yeah. I would love to do which is draw not so much now you know that's there I, I definitely suffer burnout sometimes you know I, I'll go every month or two and think okay I need to take some time away just step back a little bit but yeah I do I have a lot of energy for creativity and I'm very very passionate about it so yeah and I don't like the idea of standing still or becoming known as that guy who does that can't do that it freaks me out too much like <laughs> I know that I can do more and I want to prove that but that's you know? impressive so. I feel like my brain is like melted after Sometimes after, like, I think this full time or like, you know, um, like having a job can yes. be a little bit counterproductive sometimes. Yes, when you're asked to produce it in a certain time frame and a certain, yeah, I agree, yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, there comes a time when I need to just down tools and, and kind of, <laughs> yeah, step away. But you don't always have the choice because it's it's also work, so. Yeah. But I'll get there. I'll be the mad artist one day who has no, no, you know, <laughs> it'll happen, I don't know how. Well, we'll you can be mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the last question I always ask my guests oh. this question, it's called Shark in the Tank, and I ask them for a love and a hit, and it can be as playful as you like, or it can be as serious as you like, and it doesn't even have to be in the creative industries, it's a very open-ended question. And, <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's always like, what, what is this? Oh. But I always get really interested what in artists do and I people. Love? And what it doesn't, do it, it doesn't even have to be love and hate, it could just be a something to throw away it can be funny whatever you want it to be <laughs> uh, wow can I have a little bit of moment a uh, little bit of time you to can think? take as much time as you want <laughs> but in life anything anything you want <laughs> could be in this garden or in the entire world whatever you like <laughs> what can I say um, you know I used to have this uh, in uh, when I was learning English back home in Portugal I used to have this um, we used to have this exercise always in English class which was to that we would read an article and then some of us would be pro that opinion and some like counter it 
um, and we'd divide the class and you'd have to like argue for like being for something or against it yeah. but then the teacher always asked us to swap positions and that was my favorite thing in the world to just like completely swap the way I'm looking at something Ah, so you had to go and fight the corner of the other. Yes. Okay, that's really interesting. And it was really great. And I think I got a bit addicted to that, in, and uh, which makes this question extremely difficult. <laughs> 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 you turned the question on me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I can see something boring like, okay, when, yeah, I hate when it rains in London. Or... Um, That'd be the perfect answer <laughs> after everything you do to answer. In fact, in fact, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. And even if you say anything else, I'll edit it out. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That can be alright. It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What do I hate? <laughs> I love honesty. I mean, when you were when you were telling me about your book and so on, I. It's something I really love. Just yeah. honesty. Yeah, it's very honest, painfully honest at times. <laughs> Had to be. No one was writing about that stuff to that degree of honesty. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to be honest. And I, I think it's, um, it's very difficult to be honest when you talk about your own work because it can edit out a lot of like yeah. the difficulties. But, but that's like what's really that's what makes amazing it human. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's bad. <laughs> That'll do for me. Rain in London okay, and <laughs> well, I think thank you so much for your time. Really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's so great. Cheers. Thank you. Really nice. So, can you imagine like someone comes into your kitchen and finds like a piece of toast that you've left on a plate to sort out after work? Um, and the next thing you know, they're creating a three D print and they clone your ass. <laughs> it's all going on it's madness it's mad 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 stuff but it's inspiring too and I try not to think about the downside of it too much and try to influence the good side through my work so thank you so much to Mariana Pistana uh, who it was a thrill to spend an hour with really lovely lady doing some exciting stuff so go and check her out on the social media check out her work at the V&A and get to these exhibitions keep an eye out for the future design stuff coming up that she couldn't tell us too much about just yet but got a little exclusive insight there to it uh nonetheless that's what we do on this show now we break down doors and i hope you're doing the same uh, and enjoying it and getting something out of this show getting a kick getting some inspiration from my kind guests who give me time of day loving doing it spread the words go and subscribe on itunes drop me a review um tell you what speaking of reviews if anyone can help me out uh my book champagne and wax crayons page on amazon all my fucking reviews have been wiped, like all 28 of them. What's that about? I've been told the algorithms have changed, but there's nothing dodgy about my reviews and they've all been wiped, which is pissing me off. Anyway, if you've got any answers, let me know. Um, cheers for checking in today. Thank you to the sponsors as ever. Printed.com, Hat Internet, Illustration Limited uh, at Printed.com, Hat Internet.co.uk and IllustrationWeb.com. Hit me up on the Twitter at WrestleOnimix with your feedback. And go and listen to all the back episodes. We're up to 44 now, which is crazy stuff. I want to know your feedback. I want to know who you want on the show. If you need to be on the show, tell me why and I'll consider it. Uh, thanks, as ever, to everyone for checking in. Nice one, guys. See you later on.
listening to Arrest All Minutes.